AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I came to IndyCar a few years ago with very little experience on the ovals. But of course, I mean, immediately, my dream was to win the Indianapolis 500. You know, it's the biggest race in the world. And I wanted to put my face on this trophy, on the Borg Warner trophy. Uh, I worked very hard for it. But as we know, this is a team sport. And everybody at Chip Ganassi Racing and everybody back in Sweden deserve this just as much as I do. That is the voice of Marcus Erickson delivering his victory speech at the Indy 500 Victory Banquet in Indianapolis last June. And joining us now to talk about all that phenomenal win plus many more topics, Formula One driver, current IndyCar racer, and winner of the 2022 Indianapolis 500, driving the number eight Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing, Mr. Marcus Erickson, you get a mister because you are the man behind the wheel. Marcus, thank you so much for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. What an intro. <laughs> Great, I like it. See, the, the suits told me, they said, now, Bar, you always get to, you know, acting crazy, man, when you get talking to drivers. So I said, okay, I'll keep it cool. I, I'll, I'll be nice. And I, I'll, I'll act professional. So when you won, <laughs> I'm going to ask that, that dumb question that everybody asks. What did it feel like when you crossed the line first at the brickyard? So it was like an explosion of emotions and, and I like I I remember just screaming out my lungs for like two minutes on the in lap or like victory lap and my team was like congratulating me on the radio and stuff and I couldn't say anything back because I was just constantly screaming and as you could hear that on my victory speech, my voice was not great and I think that had something to do with it because that was the day after the victory. I had that speech, and yeah, I remember my voice being not the best. But yeah, it was just you know, yeah, it's an explosion of emotions. It's uh, you know something you work towards all your life to, to have a moment like that. So when it actually happens, it's uh, yeah, it's hard to describe the the feelings you or I felt that day. Uh, Danny, that I, I got to tell you what what my that weekend of racing to me. Is like you know you have the Indy 500. Uh, I, I think they changed it. Bef- they have changed it that last year because you had Monaco at the beginning. Then you had the Indy 500 in the heyday. Wow. And then you had the Coca-Cola 600 in NASCAR. And you, you know some people say, "Oh, I love the Super Bowl." 
For me, that day is the day, man, when I can just sit down and trash out. You know, it's funny because you mentioned all these great legendary races, but Marcus, when you talk Indy 500, as a youngster getting into carts, for instance, and then kind of moving up the circuits and into F1 and then into Indy cars, is the Indy 500 like the holy grail of races? Was that to you the one where if you're going to win anything in your career when it's all said and done, that's the one you wanted the most? I would say so, yeah, especially if you're talking about a single race. You know, Formula One is a bigger, more global sport. And, and you know, uh, winning the Formula One World Championship, I would say it's, it's a bigger thing. But that's over a whole year, right? If you, you know, if you factor in just a single day, one race in the world of motorsport, for me, there's no doubt that the Indianapolis 500 is the biggest and the most, you know, sought-after and legendary race you could win. So for me, that's, um, you know, even as a kid, I remember watching back home in Sweden, you know, watching the Indy 500 uh, with my father. And then, you know, the dream of of winning the 500 started already then. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely for me and for many others the biggest race in the world. Now, don't tell your owner, Chip Ganassi, this. But, uh, you know, sometimes you, because Chip Ganassi was a race driver. He was an Indy driver himself. And sometimes you have drivers that are okay in when they were racing, but just take it off the map when they own. Chip Ganassi is one. Richard Childress is another one who is in NASCAR. Talking about Chip Ganassi, I, I mean, I know you. You know, if I ask something silly, what's it like to drive a Chip Ganassi? That's a silly question because <laughs> it's very good. What I want to know is, you know, how hard is it for Chip Ganassi as an owner? to keep the teams going, because it, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to comment on his driving uh, career, because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know enough about that. <laughs> but uh, I can talk about his owner career, and, and, and I think it's, you know, it's definitely one of the most successful teams in the motorsport world, not only here in the North America, it's in the world. You know, the, the, the amount of races and championships they've won over the years, I think says it all. And for me, what's where that comes from is the leadership of Chip. You know, the way he leads the team and the organization is running through the whole company. And that sort of culture, that way of, you know, always going for more, always, you know, it's been cool being part of Ganassi now for three years because every time we win a race or a championship or something like that, you know, people celebrate and happy, but then the next day is like, all right, how do we win the next race? How do we win the next championship? How, it's like this ever, you know, constant push for more, constant push for, for more success that I'm, you know, very impressed with. And, and it all starts with Schiff and his leadership. Marcus, I wasn't as big a motorhead growing up as my colleague Michael obviously was and is, but I've become really a, a bigger fan of, I think, racing in general since Netflix F1 Drive to Survive came out, and obviously season five is is getting underway uh, pretty much right now. So the question I have, because I watched that show and I realize the car itself is so important, is there a bigger difference, say, in Indy cars or F1 cars in terms of the ability of the driver compared to the car itself, how much credit should the car get? How much credit should the driver get? Yeah, it's, it's funny to say. I think, you know, the Drive to Survive show they did there in Formula One is one of the biggest successes uh, in sports, probably. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. definitely grown the interest so much. And I was actually a part of that first season for, 
for one episode because uh, that was my last year in F1, and that was that was fun, you know, being part of that. And it definitely, you know, it's done an incredible job for Formula One. Uh, but I think, like you say, uh, one of the problems with Formula One is the fact that it's it's actually more the teams that compete than the drivers in many ways because every team has to build their own car. They have different resources, and you know. Uh, it just makes it a lot about being in the right car and right team at the right time. And for me, doing five years in Formula One, I never really got that chance to be uh, in a top team or even like a midfield team. I was always in the smaller teams. And then, you know, it's really tough mentally uh, as a, you know, athlete. You want to you wanna succeed, you want to win. And when you don't have that opportunity and, you know, you it really tough mentally to, to go and go racing like that. And that was why coming to IndyCar, which is a one spec series and, you know, it's a lot more up to the drivers together with the team to maximize the package. You know, it, it creates a very different kind of uh, environment and, and it's more of a sport that way. And that's what I love about IndyCar racing. Being the motorhead that I am in racing i like to go home and watch old races old indy 500 races i i think it was something like in the 1961 or so whatever and and i'm listening to the announcers they're saying these cars can cost up to anywhere up to twenty five thousand dollars like (laughs) (laughs) now just for one car it's about at least three million dollars just for one car, and and Lord, don't wreck it because you're going to have a problem. And then the F1 cars, because you used to be in F1, that's almost fifteen million dollars wow. a car. The cost is huge, but the technology is there in these cars. Can you comment more on that? Yeah, I mean it's 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 incredible these days. It's the technology behind you know Formula One, but also in IndyCar now. You know we're going to hybrid engines and. And IndyCar next year, Formula One is already using hybrid engines and they are very, you know, very complex cars these days. And used to run them requires a lot of people just to, you know, have all the systems and settings uh, in the right mode to even, you know, be able to start them up. So it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty cool to see that. And a lot of things that, you know, happens in Formula One and in, and in IndyCar is then translates to, normal cars on the roads you know so it's uh, it's pretty cool to to be part of that and then you know i i think it's really cool that us in indycar is going that route now for for 2024 which i think is a great step and you know it's um, it's cool how motorsport has moved in that direction these last few years you know marcus here in the states outside of i think nba superstars most of the, and I think Michael would agree, most of the big name professional athletes are just really big names in America. You know, again, basketball, you have LeBron James, he's a global type of name. But when you talk about race car drivers like yourself, you're international stars, the way soccer stars are. You're a young guy, you're in your early 30s. I will never, and Michael is past his 30s now, but we. Way past, <laughs> way past his 30s. Now. But, but you know, Marcus, we'll never live this lifestyle. So, without giving us too many details, what's it like to be a young guy as a race car driver going around the circuits, first in F1 and now again in Indy cars, in terms of social lives and things like that? Kind of give us a little bit of a jealous angle, because I know Mike will be very jealous, I'm sure, to hear what the lifestyle is like. Yes, do tell, do tell. Please tell us. 
<laughs> no, but it's it's definitely I'm you know I'm living my dream, and I think maybe many others dream as well. You know, driving race cars and traveling the world, doing it, uh, especially in Formula One. It was you know we were racing all over the world. So it was you know constantly living in you know on the road in in a way. Um, so that was a really cool lifestyle. Uh, quite tough in some ways as well because I think I had somewhere between 250 to 270 travel days per year so it was pretty pretty extreme uh, or, or days you know on the road let's say uh, IndyCar is a little bit less uh, traveling because we're all, all racing here in North America but it's still you know super cool to go to all these different states and different places in America I, I really enjoy that part of it that you get to experience a, a lot of cool places and for me i've always tried to to do more than just you know go to the racetrack so i try and and see the world while also driving you know awesome race cars so it's uh, it's definitely uh, a dream job uh, and you know I, I feel very very lucky to, to do what i do apple card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card you earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Formula One has announced that they're going to use a 100% sustainable fuel beginning in 2026. Uh, And it's uh, part of the efforts, the uh, developing the carbon neutral fuel. Uh, and it's part of the efforts. Uh, it will be uh, a fuel that maybe one day be used in consumer vehicles as well. Can you talk about that and and part of that technology involved in racing? And will IndyCar pick that up one day? Yeah, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because IndyCar is actually going to 100% renewable fuel in 2023 hmm. and, uh, and leading the way there. And there is you know, that's something that's huge for us. And, and you know, again, leading the way and, and showing that motorsport is, uh, you know, focusing on these things, which I think is super important for for us as a sport. And then that's, you know, another thing where IndyCar is really, uh, you know, leading the way and, and being, like I said, 100% renewable race fuel. I think that's pretty, it's pretty impressive, uh, I got to say. And, um, yeah, it's another thing that's... Uh, that's important for us as a sport to, to, to lead the way, like I said. 
Marcus, last question from me. Can you – you're going 230 miles an hour around a track. I mean, how ridiculous is that? I mean, you're literally flying out there. Well, that's a, just the day on I-80, man, uh, around I, us. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but you, <laughs> but I, I do a little bit more than that. But, uh, you're an older man. But, Marcus, here's the thing, though. Can you be a great driver – Thinking about the dangers as you're out on the course, or if you have that thought. Like in football, you can't have a mentality of, I could get hurt here, right? In racing, is it similar where you can't think about that? Because if you do, it's going to affect your performance. Yeah, I mean, you know the risks uh, in, in what you're doing. Obviously, like you said, doing 230 miles per hour, is, you know, there's going to be some risks involved in, in, in doing that, uh, especially going wheel-to-wheel with other guys at that, that, that speed. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely a risk involved. Uh, but there again, you know, IndyCar has been leading the way in, in safety, and, uh, and, you know, we've implemented a lot of safety improvements over the years uh, one just a couple of years ago we, we we started with something called a windscreen that's covering the cockpit to help protect the driver's head uh, from flying objects or in crashes and that was a huge thing for us as well so there is you know there's always risks involved in motorsports i think it always will be but the priority always uh, is to, to to have the drivers and, and personnel and, and and everyone at the track as safe as possible uh, but yeah, you, you know, you, you definitely, you know, and that's part of it. You get that adrenaline rush, obviously, from doing these high speeds and, you know, being out on track wheel to wheel and, you know, inches from the walls. It's, of course, you know, it's part of the sport, that adrenaline you get from it. And, and that's, you know, one of the things I love as a driver as well. Many sports are, are concerned now about concussions. Uh, Kurt Busch in NASCAR, I mean, he still hasn't been cleared to come back yeah, yeah. to racing. Uh, and this was a wreck that happened in Pocono last year. And I don't think people understand. It, when a car jumps off that wall and you are flying, uh, there's got to be a shock to the body involved. And it Can you talk about the safety involved in just simply protecting drivers from concussions? Yeah, so we have special uh, like neck uh, devices that protect us, and also the walls, uh, the side walls around the right. helmet is also very like advanced uh, to to protect us from impacts like that to to help uh, uh, us not getting concussions in crashes. But of course, there's always a risk that uh, that it can happen. Um, but there again, I feel like IndyCar has done a very good job the last few years to, to improve that. And I feel like, you know, 10, 20 years back, it was a lot more common than it is these days. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely an area that's more focused on now compared to, to back in the day. Especially with that halo. Yes, yeah, right. no, absolutely. And that technology yeah, in terms of protection, exactly. you know. Now, Marcus, you started at nine years old racing carts. You know, you're now, of course, pretty much exclusively in North America. Do you think here in America for a young kid, seven, eight, nine years old, that wants to get involved in racing and get that start, how do they do it? Are the opportunities there? Yeah, I think I think the, the big thing is to, to get into go-karts. Uh, I know there is a lot of, you know, places that try and get the young kids involved in go-karts because that's, the, you know, 95% of the drivers in IndyCar and Formula 1 start out in go-karts as kids. So I would say that's the biggest uh, uh, way to become involved in racing is to, to try and get into to go-karts as a kid. 
definitely. Do want to ask about uh, women getting involved more in racing in general. Uh, the first woman ever to race in the Indy 500, Janet Guthrie. It was 1977. Uh, and we've seen uh, the evolution. St. James, right? The Lynn yeah, St. James yeah. was involved. Of course, Danica Patrick. Yeah. Uh, names going along. Will Can we see more of an influence uh, of women getting into IndyCar racing down the road? 100%. I think, you know, it's something we work uh, as as a series. There has been uh, some women driving the last few years, and it's actually just a couple of weeks ago, Catherine Legg announced that she will uh, try and qualify mm-hmm. for the Indy 500 this right. year. So uh, that's super cool. Uh, but also on the... On the team side, uh, they're working hard. I, I know my team, Chip Canasta Racing, we have a program to get the more women into the team. And, you know, my assistant engineer uh, on my car, uh, Angela, she she was the first female to actively work on a car to, to win the 500 last year. So that was super cool to make that history together with her. So it's definitely something that's, uh, that's a serious and, and us in Chip Canasta Racing focuses on. Marcus Erickson. We just talked to Marcus Erickson. He is last year's winner of the Indianapolis 500 Formula F1 driver. Oh, man. Uh, I can't root for the guy, right? I mean, this, what a great guy. Well, you, 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 driving a car. Marcus, we love you, man. Thank you for joining us here on the <laughs> Bloomberg Business of Sports. Thank you so much. And uh, don't miss the CV Network uh, show, 100 Days to Indy that's coming here this spring, uh, which would be really cool to follow us going up to the 500 this year. It's going to be, you know, our, our sort of drive to survive nice. uh, behind the scenes. So that's going to be really cool and, and a big thing for our, our sport and, and for me as well, you know. So that's, um, that's something that I hope a lot of people tune into to see how cool IndyCar racing is. You're going to be the star of that, kind of like uh, Daniel Riccardi was the star of the F1 Drive to Survive. Is Marcus Erickson going to be the big star of that show? Oh, who knows? But, uh, yeah. I hope so, I'm, I'm planning to win a lot of races, and, you know, that usually helps. Well, now I got something to fight my wife over for the TV set, man, because usually on a Sunday, man, that's my day. But now, this is going to be good. This thank be you, good. Marcus. Thank we you, appreciate Marcus. it, man. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. This has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore some of the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm Dan Schwartzman. Follow me at Dan underscore Schwartzman. We just talked. Hey, how great was he, right? Erickson. Oh, my God. good dude. Oh, man. Hey, you can download this podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and download this show wherever you get your podcast. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.